The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. Welcome to another edition of the Whistler While You Retire podcast. I'm your host, Tim Whistler. Um, If this is your first time here, welcome and thanks for stopping by. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast that you'll know whenever we have new episodes coming out and you have some opportunities to listen on some great topics that we hope you find helpful. Um, Just a couple of months ago, I was an attendee on a long-term care webinar that was hosted by the Certification for Long-Term Care. Uh, They're basically the firm that holds me accountable for my CLTC designation. And on that webinar, one of the featured speakers caught my attention. I was so drawn in by her energy, her knowledge, and her passion for this topic. So I thought to myself, as I'm on this webinar, you know what? I, I need to reach out and just to see if she might you know, be gracious to share some time and join me on the, on the podcast. So I did. And shortly thereafter, I received this awesome email from her stating that she would be delighted to be my guest. So I thought, this is great. So I am truly honored to introduce you today to my, to my guest. Um, she is a family caregiver, an elder law attorney, an author, and a keynote speaker, And her name is Kathy Sikorsky. Kathy, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I really am delighted to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I thank you. I mean, well, we had a conversation, as you know, you know, shortly after the email, just to kind of plan for today's conversation. And I just, I truly felt so, so humbled. I feel like we've known each other for a long time because of that, that energy and passion that I think is is shared between the two of us, especially for this topic. Definitely. Yes, yes. I, I It clicked right away. And I'm so excited that we're here to share it with others, right? To let them know why we're passionate about this and how we can help them. Yes, ma'am. So I think just to kind of kick things off, if you don't mind, Kathy, go ahead and maybe just kind of share, you know, your background. You talk about, you know, talk a little bit about your elder law, uh, you know, when you were practicing as an attorney, your years of experience as, as a caregiver as well. So years ago, many years ago, my grandmother came to live with me. She was 92. And I had a two year old at the time. And I was a practicing attorney, although not for very long, to be honest with you, I stepped out of the workforce to take care of my two loved ones, my toddler and my grandmother. Um, And that turned into becoming a caregiver for eight different family members and friends over the last 30 years, and honing down my small town general practice to an actual just elder law practice, because I could see that these issues were starting to come for everyone, that everyone was going to probably have a caregiving event in their lives in some fashion. And my life was just turning into that because of who I was and where I lived. And, you know, I have seven siblings <laughs> and a big Italian family. And yeah. it just happened to be that caregiving came to my door. I always say the caregiving train stopped at my house and everybody got off. So not as my job, but just as you know, what I was doing for my family and my friends. That's how I became an elder lawyer. And as I continued to grow in my practice, I saw that this was becoming more and more about a lack of education, about how to get prepared when that caregiving 
Thanksgiving tsunami started coming for you and that the more you were prepared, the easier it would be to handle the issues. And so I started to write some books about it. I did lots of articles. I, I started a blog and I just began to focus all of my efforts on really educating people on a bigger scale so that they could get prepared and be better off with this experience than I was from the beginning. So Absolutely. Yep. I totally, totally agree. I mean, referencing what just kind of complimenting what you just referenced there, this is a foreign language, you know, and, and a lot <laughs> of people, I think to, to a fault almost want to be like, you know, if I, if I stand real still and I'm real quiet, it won't happen to me, right? It'll go away. <laughs> It'll go away, right? It won't find me. Yeah. But so, Kathy, you have, I mean, here you are, you have a 92 year old grandmother needing care. You have a two year old toddler at home. And here you are putting your life on hold, you know, to completely go to a different route. And um, this is why I think, too, where you and I connected, uh, my mindset's the same way. It's one of those things where we don't want to necessarily ignore it, hoping that it'll go away. We really truly have to, to be prepared for that. So, and I, I love the way you use that I, phrase. I just want you to know that I'm not unique. <laughs> this is not just me and my crazy little experience. It, I am not unique. And many, especially women, but some men too, put their lives on hold and step out of the workforce and change their lives because of caregiving issues, whether that be children or grandparents or a special needs person in their life or, you know, who knows, right? That's right. It's, it's like with uh, my previous guest, Bill Comfort, you know, the instructor mm -hmm. that I had at, at CLTC, we talked about that as well. I mean, not only just in the curriculum for the designation, but also through our podcast where the person who needs care, their life isn't put on hold. It's the caregiver and how our life goes the other way, you know, life can go the other way. So um, let's talk about that. You talk about that tsunami of aging and caregiving and healthcare. Let's talk about, it. so how could we, how should we start preparing for that plan? So the first thing you need to know is 10,000 people a day are turning age 65. Mm -hmm. Those people are your people. It might be you. It might be your mother. It might be your father. It might be your grandparents. But because that number is so dramatic, it is having a dramatic effect on everyone from millennials on up. And what you need to understand is, is that everything you can do to prepare for being a caregiver or having to interact even with someone in your family who might need some care, but not all the care is going to make your life easier in the long run. And the, and the first best steps, and this is where I come in as a professional, are always to get your legal documents in order. Always, always, always. That's the first best step. Even quite frankly, before the money, because you can't do anything to help anyone if you don't have the legal authority to do so. So you need that durable financial power of attorney. You need that medical health care proxy or medical power of attorney, whatever might might be called in your state. Obviously, a will is important. It's, believe it or not, not as important to me as those powers of attorney. And also advanced directives, which often apply to what happens if someone's in a permanent vegetative state. So, so those are the top four things. But what I want to make very clear, because people get these confused all the time. They say, oh, my mom's executor. That's taken care of. Executors are for wills. And so here we go. Powers of attorney, and people call them POAs often. So good for you to know the lingo. Powers of attorney are for live people and wills are for dead people. It's as simple as that. So if your mom and dad have a will or you're an executor, you can only do something if they've passed away. You have no authority if they are alive but sick. 
alive, but disabled, alive, but incapacitated. You have to have those powers of attorney. And in my work, especially in elder law and, and in finance and any kind of work, if you're trying to help someone with their money, you can't do it without those documents. So that's the first step. And if you have those for five years and you don't need to use them for your mom or your dad, and then all of a sudden dad has a stroke and you have got to step in immediately, how fantastic is it? You've already stopped the tsunami because you already have the power and the authority to take care of some of these important things. Th those are great points. And in fact, something you just said that just literally just came to my mind with a current situation, husband and wife are both clients of mine in my Medicare practice. And through, through COVID, unfortunately, he got sick and never came home, went into ICU and passed mm -hmm. away. She is now just going through heck, trying to have the conversation with the Medicare insurance company about some bills that are still coming in from his hospital stay. So I, I reached out to that Medicare firm and it said, the insurance company said, look, what document can we have on file to be proactive? I can't really go back and turn back the hands of time for Maddie. But what can we? What document can we have ahead of time? She goes, there isn't one. Oh, but there is. It's okay. the super secret Medicare document form. Perfect. <laughs> I knew you would know, Kathy. <laughs> I, I hate to do this. I don't really mean to, but it's really important. So in my book, <laughs> on Love page it. 94, who <laughs> my teeth? Because people ask me this all the time. And you can find this online. You don't have to buy the book. I would love for you to buy the book, but you don't have to. Because it's the super secret third party authorization Medicare form and veterans have the same form. It's right. not, it's not the identical form. Like you have to get the veterans form or you and, or you have to get the Medicare form, but those forms give you the authority to talk to anybody in Medicare and, or the veterans about your person's problems. And you can attach it to a, a power of attorney if, if they're already incompetent, or you can just get your person to sign it and file it with them. And they'll talk to you every time you pick up the phone. It is a miracle, super secret form and see people at Medicare don't even know about it. I'm glad I mean, you asked me that question. I'm so glad you said what you said to make that question come up. So thank I'll you. I'll send That's you perfect. the link. As soon as we're done, you can put it up on your website or whatever for people for both the Medicare and the uh, veterans form. Veterans. Perfect. I mean, Kathy, that, that's huge right there because you and I haven't even shared about this yet, but just in my practice alone, I've been a Medicare broker for 17 years. 2005 was the first year that I put a client into Medicare. And I, and I just, it's just my passion. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's not something people want to really talk about, but when you can help them solve that problem. But now all of a sudden, I'm starting to see this come up more and more frequently. So I'm so thankful for that. I'm going to make sure that I get several copies of that of yes. that book because I think that'll be good to kind of start handing out to my clients as well. So, And here's a caveat. Now, I'm pretty sure it's in my book. You can try to give them your power of attorney, which should work a thousand times and it won't work. They won't file it. They'll lose it, whatever. But if you file their super secret form, it works <laughs> like a charm. Awesome. So good. I mean, and, there, and there's more to come yet, but that is so good right there. So thank you. Perfect. So this one here too, I thought well, that was really, really good. You talked about the, the four steps, the four things we need to do with the documents, the difference between wills and powers of attorney. But this one here and the talking points you shared with me, I love this one. I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. So here's the question that, I, that I'm looking for the answer on this one. What keeps us calm in a crisis? Honestly, it's being as prepared as you possibly can first, because you already know I can handle all this. I've got all the documents. I got my super secret form. 
<laughs> I've already <laughs> filed all that, even though I didn't need to use it with mom or dad. I have as much authority as I possibly can have before I even need to talk to anyone. So the minute I'm making phone calls or trying to talk to a doctor or an insurance company or whatever, I've got the documentation in place to skip the hard part, which is getting them to talk to me. All right. So that's number one. The other thing that we're going to talk about later, which I think would be most helpful to keep you calm in a storm, is if you already had all of your professionals talking to each other, like your financial advisor, your lawyer, your insurance person, if they, your accountant, if they already have had the beauty of Zoom, a conversation with you there saying, this is my plan, or I talked to my mom and dad, this is their plan, this is what we're trying to accomplish. When you then go back to them, because, oh, now we have the crisis, you've already put everything in place to make everyone comfortable. And these things don't take tons of time. This isn't hours of conversations. It's just like, this is where we think we're going to go. And I want you to know on board, I'm going to be talking to Tim. I'm going to be talking to Bill Comfort. I'm going to be, you know, these are my people to Kathy and you guys might need to talk to each other, but I got my team in place and that makes me very calm. That's empowering, isn't it? I mean, it just, is, you know, and it doesn't you, cost you anything. Exactly right. Just a little bit of time, a little bit of effort and man, little. you know, it's like, it's like just, I know obviously when, when they record this and when people listen to it, they'll, they'll, time has some passed, but, but just literally with yesterday with, with September 13th, the stock market had a very, very bad day. And for many, many clients, or I should say prospects that I've spoken to, I know they had a really rough day because they weren't mm -hmm. prepared for that unexpected, unanticipated day. But for the clients who do work with us, they are prepared. They, they were completely sheltered from that. So taking that same foundation of that chassis and applying it now to this, I can see now what how that would keep us calm in a crisis, just being prepared and empowered. I hate that the customer has to be the driver of that. Honestly, I wish that more of us as professionals would be the driver to say, who is your financial advisor? Who is your insurance advisor? Can we get on a call with them? Um, because we don't work together. We're, we don't play nice as much as I would like us to be. And I, I, I sadly think that's a, a misunderstanding about there's not enough pie for everyone. There's plenty of pie. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And yes. And so I would encourage if financial advisors are listening to this, if your fellow CLTC people are listening to this, as well as your, your clients, to open that door with your clients about how you can work with your client's attorney or recommend a really good attorney to them because they may not have, as I'm sure you know, Tim, they don't have these documents, right? No, they they don't. come to right. your table without these documents. Right. So all of those things... Um, if you can be the driver as a professional would be helpful. But if not, as a, if, if you're a client and you're listening to this, you can certainly be the driver of that and it will keep you calm in a storm. Absolutely. That, that's so good. Um, and you kind of made that comment before that. So I kind of want to transition into that about money. And we kind of talked about that a little bit before, you know, in my years of experience and sitting down with thousands of households, um, you know, you also often see the, the households where husband and wife, one of them kind of handles everything. The other one's just kind of along for the ride, right? Kind of sitting there. And, and most of the time, the husband kind of, not, not to be, you know, that's not what we're doing, but that's just kind of how most households are. Husband kind of handles the finances, wife kind of takes care of things at home, et cetera. And whenever I engage with couples like that, a lot of times I hear the wives make statements like, you know, well, I don't know anything about that, or he handles it all. 
And Kathy, you brought up a great talking point that I wanted us to kind of elaborate a little bit on this one is, you know, how can we help women prepare for staying financially secure, especially if their husband is the one handling all their finances? So here's here's a couple really important things. And, I, you know, I just told a, I, I did an event and I said to them, I'm going to talk to you about this and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about this event. But I tell everybody this because it's so important. I won't walk out of the room without telling you. First of all, advisors, you need to talk to this wife. Do not have her sitting in that chair and never look at her, never speak to her, never address anything with her, because this is exactly what happens. And it could be it's spouse and it's spouses. Some spouses, it doesn't matter if it's male or female. One spouse often makes more money than the other. And the way we save money has changed dramatically because almost all our money now is in 401ks, IRAs, 403Bs, that kind of a savings mechanism. And that is true largely for baby boomers, not so much our parents, but baby boomers and everybody after us. Right. The thing is, what people don't understand, what the spouse who doesn't have the money, and, and I'm going to be perfectly brutally honest with you here. I'm that spouse. I'm the one without the money. My husband worked for a Fortune 100 company, and I've been a caregiver for eight different family members and friends. We weren't putting money into my IRA because honestly, as he climbed up the corporate ladder, they put more in. They put 10%. They put 15%. Why would we put money in my stupid little IRA when this was a great way to save family money? It made perfect financial sense for us to dump everything into his IRA, his 401k. Here's the thing. That legally is only owned by one person. You've got to tell a spouse who is not heavily invested that this money, and, and, and it's great family money. I wouldn't recommend that you do anything else except keep dumping it in if they're matching it at a higher and higher rate. It's, it's a sound financial way to do business for yourself. But you need to understand, not from a divorce perspective, but from a, a sickness Medicare Medicaid perspective, but just a sickness perspective, that's his money. That's not your money legally. Every penny in there is only ever going to be owned by one person. That's the law, right? Yep. And so he has a massive stroke. There you are watching him have his massive stroke. And the nursing home goes, yay, this guy has $2 million in his IRA. He's going to pay every penny of this $12,000 a month nursing home. We're very excited about that. And she's like, wait a minute, that's my money. I take, I take home $1,100 in social security. I can't live on that. How do I get access to that money? That's our job. When I say our, I mean you and me and all the professionals who are helping our clients. Our job is to make sure they have the legal documents that give them access, which is a power of attorney with very important gifting language. Our job is to make sure they understand how these finances work, that only one person can own it. I'm not saying create taxable events where you start moving money necessarily, like, but you need to understand. And this is not, I just told you this in what, three minutes? You can tell all your spouses in three minutes why you need to understand what's going on here with money. And what we're going to do if you get into a place where you might need to fix it. We're just going to put stuff into place where if we have to fix it, there might be some painful tax consequences. There might be some some other consequences. But there also might be a way that you are not ending up destitute because we spent all this money on a nursing home and we didn't pay any attention to the fact that that's his money, not your money legally. So well said, Kathy. That's my spiel that I never leave a room without saying. Yes, man. And, and so, I mean, holy smokes, how in the world do, do a person, does a person put a price tag on that information that you just shared? Because that is, 
I, I see that. I mean, I know you saw it and you, and you continue to see it. I see it day in and day out when I'm engaging with folks. And it's, it's like, if I can have, you know, for me to share that information directly, sometimes the person can perceive it as me trying to sell them something when, when we're not. They don't have to walk out with anything except no. an understanding about how this is going to work. And honestly, I have to tell you, especially in, I mean, we have a lot of good marriages and good relationships in our client bases. It's not about worrying about that, but I can't tell you how many of those heavily weighted, rich IRA people look at their spouse and go, I had no idea. I right. had no idea you didn't have access to that money if I'm sick, because the first thing they're going to say to you is, oh, she's my beneficiary. That's not a problem for dead people beneficiaries are for dead people. I'm talking about live people who are sick. And and that's a very big misunderstanding. Um, and so they'll they'll look at you and say, you mean it doesn't matter that she's my... Nope, don't matter. She can't get it. She can't touch it. Nope. Unless. Unless we do stuff. So we're going to do stuff. That's right. <laughs> because, and you, you brought up a great point, because any time that I'm walking through that discovery process with somebody, right? We're getting to know each other. We're talking about finances. We're uncovering the inventory of all the assets. And I talk about IRA. I make sure I always help them understand it's an individual retirement account. Yes, there's husband and wife involved, but one person owns that. And just like you said, beneficiary does not matter until that person passes away. That's so shockingly, the, the fact that it's not joint and there's no access and the beneficiary only matters in death are the three probably biggest talking points that they don't understand. And this isn't anybody's fault that they don't understand it. No, absolutely. It, yep. it, it's almost set up like that on purpose. You know, it's funny you should say that. I kind of feel the exact same way. I feel like as though there's been a directive for decades to kind of steer people this direction. And all of a sudden you engage, a, a person can engage with a professional who says, you know what? No, you probably need to be thinking of it differently. Mm -hmm. Well, who should I listen to? Well, I, again, I learned a long time ago, Kathy, that an informed client is a happy client. Mm, so, exactly. And, and, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Just, to, But that conversation is often missed with that spouse who is, is not as well invested as their other spouse. And, oh, darn, I had a really good point and now it's gone, but it will come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. I have those moments as well. All you my know, good points come back to me. Don't worry. <laughs> good. And when it does, be sure just to interrupt me and make sure just push through. That's right. <laughs> we, we have that relationship, so we're good. Yeah. But, but you know, I mean, to your point, whenever whenever I'm sitting down with a couple and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, the, the quirks, the dynamics, the philosophies, everything, you know, I've learned over the course of the years, there's basically two types of people when it comes to solving problems. Those who want to know how the clock is built and those who simply want to know what time it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I think in our world, I think if as long as we can help that spouse who is not taking the lead role of the overall decision-making, if, if we can make sure he or she, whichever one it is, is making sure they understand what's going on, I think, we, I think we've solved the problem. And I think we've provided great you know, value to them. Exactly. And, and, and if, if the time comes when that spouse unfortunately gets terribly ill, they're going to say, okay, we talked about this. Now, what is it that we're supposed to do? I know we did some things, but what do we do now? And that's exactly what it is. It's a, what do we do now conversation? It's not, oh my God, we're going to change everything now. It's just, what do we do now? And, and what can we put in place in case this happens? Well Which, said. Like any insurance policy, you know, it's like, that's why we have long-term care insurance. What do we do now? Yep. 
It's just like what Bill and I talked about. You know, the 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 plan provides the assets, provides the income. You know, for the policy, you know, provides the income for the plan, if you will. So we've we've already put all the, all the steps in place, and now the the policy can do what it's supposed to do for us. So something you said earlier too, and I wanted to come right back to that because I know it was on our talking point here today. You know, like in the healthcare world, you know, we have specialists. We have the cardiologist, the optometrist, the podiatrist, but on our retirement world. We don't really have those types of ists where we're referred from one to the other. So, and you said it earlier, we really should be helping people understand the importance of having professionals talk together. I know you kind of alluded to that earlier, but let's, let's kind of hit on that again. You know, how, other than just, you know, listing, okay, this is my insurance agent. This is my financial advisor. This is my attorney. This is my CPA. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Kathy, as far as, you know, some steps that should be taken on, on doing that? How should we put that together for them? So it's kind of twofold. I I would like to see professionals themselves go out and interview people in this, you know, find an elder lawyer that you want to talk to, find an estate attorney you want to talk to, find an insurance person you want to talk to. And and because your clients don't come in with all those things in their pocket, they often need guidance, right? And so you want to make sure that you're guiding them at least to a couple of places where you feel comfortable that this person knows what they're doing. And and I'd like to point out here that elder lawyers and estate lawyers are not the same people. We can be the same people, but we're not necessarily the same people. Elder lawyers often deal with issues that have to do with Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, long-term care issues uh, when people are sick, right? right? Estate attorneys, which have been around since 1245 or whenever the Magna Carta happened, because that's when he said we could have our own money. Um, <laughs> King John gave us our money. Um, estate attorneys deal with estates. What happened when? What happens when you die, right? Where do you want your stuff to go when you die? And often those two attorneys are often the same thing. They are elder and estate attorneys, but sometimes... Sometimes estate attorneys have not expanded their practice into elder law issues. And that can be a problem. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because Medicaid issues, powers of attorney issues that have to do with trying to uh, set up Medicaid protected annuities and things that happen when somebody goes into a nursing home and and basically we're trying to protect assets for a healthy spouse often rather than spending it all in the nursing home without thinking about it. Elder law attorneys are very, very well versed in how to do that. Often estate attorneys might not be. So you have to be proactive in your understanding about what this attorney can do for you. Um, and in that big umbrella is, a, is trusts, which is the whole conversation. Maybe we'll have someday, not today, but trusts are complex, complicated things that people do in fact often need in a planning time. So you need, so you as a customer, should you as a customer should be talking to an attorney, an elder and or state attorney and a financial advisor if you have assets and, you know, a Medicare person like Tim, because that if you're turning 65, doing it right is hard. You guys, it's hard. I didn't do it myself. This is what I do for a living. I did not do it myself. I got an expert to help me. It's hard. Um, an accountant, if you have an accountant who's been doing your taxes for 20 years, you know, let him talk to your Medicare slash financial advisor who's a different person or your insurance advisor. Um, so a lot of us have these people. We already have them. We just right. don't tell them to talk to each other. Right. 
Um, but we as professionals also should seek out. I do not lightly refer clients to other professionals. I vet them to make sure I know that they're taking the time to understand these complicated issues that I have to deal with. Right. Very well said. I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I'm learning so much just in our conversation here, in addition to what we already talked about off camera. So, so I think that's just fantastic information. I appreciate you sharing that with me, Kathy. Did you happen to, did the thought come back in your mind? Did, what it, did, no, I probably it? already, I probably already said it. You, I'm giving you all my pearls. <laughs> I know. I mean, everything's just gold nugget after gold. They're just falling from the sky. It's great. Excuse so. me. I have to go write another book. <laughs> yes, that's right. And speaking of books, I want to make sure we didn't close without saying that. I know you already showed us, you know, who moved my teeth, yeah. but you also wrote the 12 conversations. I did. I did. Okay. 12. I think, oh, it's upside down. 12 <laughs> conversations. Yeah. It looks backwards to me. I don't know if it looks like that to you. No, it looks great. The, the no, looks fun good. of the camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and each chapter is exactly what we're talking about here. It's a chapter about how to talk to the important people about these things. So the first chapter is a conversation with yourself. Talk to yourself about what you need to do and why you need to do it. And then it could be with your siblings, with your parents, with your mom or your dad. I have them separately because moms and dads are different. Um, with your financial advisor, with your legal advisor. And what I really like in this book as well is with your work. How to talk to people at work about these long-term care and caregiving issues and how it's affecting your life. So each chapter is different. About so who to good. talk to and how to talk to them. So good. I've, I've got mine on order. I wish I'd have had it here prior to our recording, but it's on order and I cannot wait to go through that because I know for a fact it's going to be become part of my, my, my practice. I already know that um, because of the fact of, again, it's, it's so critical to have these conversations despite the fact we don't want to. Like we said earlier, we just want to ignore it. Hopefully it goes away, but it can't. We, we don't want to be shocked. We don't want to be put into a crisis. We want to be prepared in case that tsunami shows up. And again, it's once or twice. Get it done. You're done. Move on exactly. with your life. This is don't make this bigger <laughs> than it needs to be. Right. Yes, yes ma'am. Well said. I love it. <laughs> Just do it and be done with it. Move on. That's right. Do fun, go on do fun things. Go surfing. <laughs> go to the movies. Do something fun. That's right. Because now we know we've taken care of it and we can move on and enjoy life. Yeah, with peace of mind. What's that worth to you? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely right. Kathy, it has been a privilege. Thank you so very much for being here and for sharing all these incredible pearls and, and nuggets of gold. This has been so vitally helpful. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. And anytime, uh, anytime. And, and it share, you are free to share my email with your audience because any questions I can answer, that's what I'm here for. It's, it's not, this is not secrets, although that super secret form is, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but, but we're going to share that. Um, yes, we are. But it's, it's hard to come by. And yeah. so, yes, that's why we're here. So I'm more than happy to let you know what I know. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much, Kathy. Thanks again. for having me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So again, thank you for joining us today on the, on the podcast. Hopefully we've brought some value to you, some things for you to think about, some things to talk about. Um, reach out. I mean, I will provide these resources to you. I'll make sure I get an order from Kathy, get the books in my hands to give them to you. Because again, Kathy and I are here to educate and inform and help us to be prepared in case that tsunami should show up. You can reach me by phone at 309-291-0491. And of course, send me an email at tim at thewhistleragency.com. And there's still no T in Whistler. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. Pursuant to IRS Circular 230, It is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. For insurance products discussed, guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company.